It began over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, skill, grace, and courage. They did it to honor their gods, they did it to honor their kings, they did it to train their soldiers, they did it to compete, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast where each and every Coliseum home video is reviewed. From the personalities and specialties to the best of the WWF and even the Collector Series. If you're looking for reviews of WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles, and SummerSlams, then look somewhere else because this is a trip down memory lane of your favorite videos. We review the good, the bad, and even sometimes the awful. Join Bill as he takes us down a memory lane adventure the likes of which no podcast has ever gone before. So sit back, relax, and listen to this fantastic podcast that we call Coliseum Corner. And here is Bill to start the show right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Coliseum Corner. I am your host, Bill Yankovi. This is the podcast where I watch and review each and every Coliseum home video. Well, uh, we're wrapping up the fifth series of Coliseum videos, so that must mean that I'm going to be reviewing the best of the WWF Volume 5. That is the video that I will be reviewing today, and I'm glad that you all are joining me as I will go through another edition in the best of the WWF series. I've already gone through the first four volumes. If you have not heard any of the previous four volumes, they are available in the archives of this podcast. So this video is hosted by Gene Okerlund, and he tells us how it is an honor to host this when he has hosted other videos such as Wrestling's Country Boys and Rowdy Roddy Piper's Greatest Hits. Now, I don't want to spoil what we're going to get in this particular video because there may be some of you that have never seen this video before, this videotape. So, each listing, I'm, I'm going to keep it as a bit of a surprise, so you guys listening find out what the matches are on this particular video. So, now we know who's hosting the video, and we know what the tape is all about, let's dive into the best of the WWF Volume 5. Our opening match on this videotape is a match that Gene calls... The Battle of the Islands, as it is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat taking on the Magnificent Morocco. This match took place in Madison Square Garden, November 25th, 1985. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say the dates on every match. Just going to mention, you know, ones here and there for sometimes historical purposes like we will get later in this tape. And maybe for fun references so 
we're in this feud of Ricky Steamboat and the Magnificent Morocco, which will be discussed, which will be talked about in another uh, episode of Coliseum Corner. So, Ricky Steamboat takes the early advantage into the match. Um, Morocco tries to fake out in the corner, and then they lock up. Steamboat does a leapfrog. He does a second leapfrog, and then he kicks Morocco in the back of the head that takes Morocco all the way out to the arena floor. Steamboat goes after Morocco and catches him, and it really is for a good amount of time all Ricky Steamboat in this match. And Gorilla at one point notices there's a young fan sitting, I guess, in the front row or close to the front row watching this match. And he makes a comment of how he thinks that that youngster is worried about Ricky Steamboat. To which Jesse Ventura gets a little bit irked and he's like, well, how do you know he's a Steamboat fan? Maybe he's a Morocco fan. And, St- and Gorilla's like, I-, I said I assumed. I mean, I'm not really sure if he is a fan of Steamboat. I just assume. So we skip a little bit into the match, and there's really only one match in this entire video where you will see the entirety of a match, and I will point that out in a little while. So, Steamboat has the advantage, they go into the corner, and then Morocco, he whips Steamboat to the opposite corner, and he launches Steamboat into the post, and this is one of the rare occasions, and I'm sure I could count this on my hands, unless you saw Ricky Steamboat, you know, in his prime or maybe in mid-Atlantic, the number of times Ricky Steamboat bled. I can count on the num- on, on my hand the number of times I've seen Ricky Steamboat bleed. And this is one of the times because Steamboat is busted wide open. He is bleeding and Morocco goes after Steamboat. He takes his thumb, his taped thumb, sticks it into the wound of Steamboat, even bites Steamboat at times and throws him out to the floor. Morocco gets Steamboat, slingshots him into the post, like shoulder first, chest first, and Gorilla is concerned. He's wondering, where is a doctor? We might need the doctor out here to consider possibly stopping this match. So, Morocco continues the control of this contest. And then we get to the end. Because Morocco is going to throw Steamboat over the top rope. And he's going to go to the floor. Morocco tries to go to Steamboat to kick him. As the referee prevents Morocco from doing this, from the blind side, here comes Fuji. He tries to get his shot in. Steamboat catches him, and he grabs Mr. Fuji's cane. Then, Morocco grabs the cane, and Steamboat kind of skins the cat with the cane, using the cane instead of the top rope to get back into the ring, 
they fight over the cane. Steamboat pushes Morocco into the referee who's behind him. Referee gets knocked out. Steamboat then grabs the cane. He takes a shot at Morocco. And then he get like he has it again. And then he breaks the cane in two. And he jabs at Morocco more. However, the referee sees Steamboat hitting Morocco with the cane and calls for the bell. Steamboat then continues to go after Morocco and takes a piece of the broken cane and kind of stabs Morocco into the face and Morocco goes out to the floor. Well, after this, Steamboat invites Morocco back into the ring. They fight some more in the ring with Steamboat knocking Morocco out. And at this point, Fuji is calling for Morocco to come on and leave. And Morocco is just about to do that when Steamboat calls for Morocco to come back one more time. So Morocco comes back. They fight some more. Steamboat knocks Morocco out of the ring again. And this time Morocco does leave with Mr. Fuji. And we get the official decision. And it is the magnificent Morocco getting the win by disqualification. Both men bleed. Steamboat bled during the match. Morocco bled at the very end and after the match. Um, I'm not really sure if... I would have liked it. I mean, the ending is a good ending. I like the ending, and I like both guys. It's just, this one felt, like, it felt dragged out for a while, and it kind of took me out. But when you see Steamboat bleed, like I said, it's a very rare sight to see. And I, if you're going to watch it, I recommend it just to see a match where Ricky Steamboat does bleed. So our next match is a tag team attraction with the Killer Bees against the Heart Foundation. And this match is joined in progress. And it appears this is from a TV show. I believe this is going to be from WWF All-Stars, um, which was the B show compared to Championship Wrestling. So Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura are on commentary for this one. And something I noticed during the match, in at ringside... To the far right corner where the hearts are in, there's a section in the maybe like the first three rows. Mostly female fans and a few kids who are cheering for the killer bees. Like they're like really going for the killer bees. And I'm like, huh. I wonder if they think the killer bees are sex symbols. Like, who would be the most attractive one? B. Brian Blair or Jumping Jim Brunzel? My guess would probably be Jumping Jim Brunzel, but I don't know. So anyway, um, we get Blair and Bret Hart in the ring for a while. Then we get Anvil and Brunzel in the ring. And then the Hearts do take an advantage on B. Brian Blair. And then Brunzel comes into the ring. He and Bret Hart, they have a little tangle. And then Brunzel hits that beautiful drop kick and gorilla's like oh he hit the drop kick and he's going for the win nyhart comes out to make the save blair comes in all four men are in the ring the referee 
basically loses control of this match. He calls for the bell. The fighting continues to the outside of the ring, and they have to be separated. And the referee's decision, both teams are disqualified. Then, Mean Gene comes in, and he tells us that we have a saying in the World Wrestling Federation, one good match deserves a rematch. Yeah, Remember that slogan from the 1980s? One good match. The World Wrestling Federation. One good match deserves a rematch. <laughs> what in the world? Because, because like, okay. Because remember, like, some of the slogans, like, the World Wrestling Federation, what the world is watching, or for 50 years, the revolutionary, you know, blah, 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 blah. Here, the World Wrestling Federation. One good match deserves a rematch. And to a degree, we kind of get a rematch. However, this is a six-man tag team match. And the Bees and the Hearts, they each find a third partner or a third man to be on their team. So the Heart Foundation, they pick Barry O as their partner. The Killer Bees, they pick... Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. It's like that episode. It's like that episode of The Simpsons when Bart and Ralph are picking players for their pickup baseball game, and Ralph gets Ken Griffey Jr. and then Bart, I think, gets Millhouse, and then here comes um, I think it's Don Mattingly that walks by, and Ralph's like, "Hey, you want to be on my team? Sure, come on." It's like Ralph and Bart. So, this match, we join in progress, where the Hearts and Barrio have advantage. And then, we get towards the end, where Orndorff comes in, he's tagged in, he's a house of fire. It's him and Barrio in the ring. Orndorff drops an elbow right onto the head of Barrio, and then he picks Barrio up into kind of a bear hug position, but he tagged Jim Brenzel in the ring. Brenzel hits his picture-perfect dropkick. One, two, three. The Bees and Mr. Wonderful take the win in the match. Although you can hear Jimmy Hart complaining that they pinned the illegal man. But from watching what I saw, I do believe Barry O was, in fact, the legal man in the ring. Now, to a rarity here on Coliseum Corner where... We have two matches, or one match that appears on two tapes in the same series. And this is the only match in the entire videotape that you get the complete match. The match I'm talking about? The British Bulldogs versus Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine for the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles. Now why am I bringing up that... This match has already been on another tape. Well, a couple of episodes ago, when I did my review on the Tag Team Champions video, this match was the first match on the tape. So, I guess because maybe they ran out of matches to put on this tape, they just put this one on this tape. <laughs> 
Now, to its advantage, you do see the entire match, but you also got to see the entire match on the Tag Team Champions tape. So, I'll give you the semi-quick version of this match, and if you want to hear my review of this match on Tag Team Champions, you can go right ahead and download it. But basically, it's a back-and-forth match, in the end of the match, Dynamite Kid goes to the top rope. He's about to hit his big move when Johnny Valiant gets on the apron, pushes him into the ropes. The referee sees it, calls for the bell, and guess what? The British Bulldogs win by disqualification. So we've had, in our first four matches, three of them, three of them, and by disqualification. This is truly the best of the World Wrestling Federation. Alright, so now, now we got to get to something real serious. Because we're about to begin, or at least on the Coliseum video end, we are going to begin our adventure of the Magnificent Morocco, and Mr. Fuji, and their career. Now, Mean Gene talks about how Morocco, Fuji, and Hulk Hogan were on a show called Search for Tomorrow. And I wanted to bring this up real quick because there's a couple of big names that are actually on the show. So Search for Tomorrow was a soap opera which debuted on CBS on September 3rd, 1951, and had its final episode on NBC December 26th, 1986. That's right, this show lasted for 35 years. And imagine your last show's the day after Christmas. So I will read what uh, what is here on the Wikipedia. Set in the fictional town of Henderson, in an unspecified state, the show focused primarily on the character of Joanne, known to the audience as Joe. Actress Mary Stewart played Joe for the entire run. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring up this show, besides Morocco, Fuji, and Hogan being on here, is... Some of the people who were on the show, notable people, such as Kevin Bacon, he was on for 1979. Jill Clayburgh, she was on for 1969. Uh, David Forsyth, from 1983 to basically the end in 1986. Peter Haskell, from 1983 to 1985. Jane Krakowski from 1984 to the end in 1986. Uh, I think there's one more. I, I mentioned Mary Stewart. Um, Ann Williams from 1966 to 1976. That's among the many actors and actresses who had a role in the show Search for Tomorrow. So, we're on the TNT show. And Morocco talks about how, you know, what happened and how there was like this D-level director 
and we go to this clip of, well, it looks like we're going to see Morocco act and Fuji act. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we get Fuji General. And this might be the highlight of the entire videotape, except for one other moment, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, if I try to review this segment, it's going to be bad on my end. So I'm going to point out a few moments to keep an eye out for. One of which is the acting of Don Morocco. Not necessarily the greatest, but he maybe could have gotten an Emmy nomination for this. I don't really know. Um, the director... I don't know this guy's name, but he's been in so many different things for the WWF in the mid to late 80s. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like, once you hear his voice, you know who it is. The actress just... She she seems like a serious actress, but she does such a good job as the nurse. Now, my favorite person in the entire thing is the patient. This patient, when they get to him to start off his scene... He looks like he just wants to get out of there. It's like, what am I doing with my life? I have no interest whatsoever. Please just get me out of here. So, they do their scene and, you know, the director keeps cutting and is like, you're, you're not an actor. You're a wrestler. You're a wrestler. And, you know, he's getting mad and... At one point, the nurse gets fi fired, and then Morocco tries to make up with her, and the director just absolutely has it. Like, he can't take it. Everyone's getting mad. And my favorite line in the entire segment is the, 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 the guy who's playing the patient. Like, he's jumping in, and then towards the end of the clip, they're like, Do I get a raise? Can I get a raise? I just busted out laughing. It was just the most random thing someone would say but Fuji General is something that should be watched by all viewing audiences and another thing I want to point out is the person playing the organ my god it is so wonderfully cheesy because I, I swear the notes that the, the organist is playing sounds like the same stuff he would play for the advice to the lovelorn skits in the earlier Coliseum video reviews that I've done. It just sounds the same, but it is so good. Everybody is laughing at Fuji and Morocco for their terrible acting, and Morocco's like, I'm taking this seriously, I'm gonna be big, you're gonna regret it. And that's basically the end of that, but like I said, this for comedic purposes, is the highlight of the videotape. But there is another thing that you're going to get, which I will talk about momentarily. So Gene talks about how when you're a champion, you have good days, and then you have bad days. Well, these next two clips feature Wendy Richter. Hmm. So this first one is against Leilani Kai. No, this is not the match from WrestleMania 1. Although I actually like that match. I think that's kind of an underrated gem of a match from that first WrestleMania. 
But this is the match that basically makes the match for WrestleMania. So you got Moolah on the outside in the corner of Leilani Kai, and you got Cindy Lauper in the corner of Wendy Richter. Richter is in control of this match. And at one point, she even gets a surfboard on Kai. But as Gorilla and Jean notice, her shoulders are down. And if you've watched wrestling for a long time, doing that particular type of the surfboard is hard to do because you got to keep your shoulders off the mat. And Gorilla and Gene are talking about how this referee does not see the shoulders on the mat. And you can see clear as day, Wendy Richter's shoulders are down on the mat, but this referee does not see it at all. So we go to the conclusion of the match where Richter is in control. And then all of a sudden, the fabulous Mula starts choking Cindy Lauper on the outside. And this has gotten everybody's attention. Dave Wolf, Cindy Lauper's manager, you know, he tries to break it up. Wendy Richter sees this going on. She tries to break it up. Mula hits Richter with her purse, which kind of knocks her down. Kai sends Richter into the corner, gets a schoolgirl. One, two, three. Leilani Kai wins the women's title over Wendy Richter. And all because the fabulous Mula was choking on Cindy Lauper. She was like, eh, 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 eh. She was, she was giving her the business. And Richter checks on Lauper, and Lauper, you know, after it's over, she gets a few seconds. Richter and Lauper go in the ring. They chase after uh, Kai, and they chase after Mula, but it's too late. Leilani Kai leaves Madison Square Garden with the women's title. Now to the other match. Wendy Richter against the Spider. Now this match is already joined in progress. I want to mention the date again. November 25th, 1985. This date in particular, could be considered one of the more overlooked days in the history of wrestling. Why? For what happens in this match. So as I said, we are joining the match in progress. Richter is on the outside. She gets in the ring. We get some wrestling. Richter gets some advantage. You know, she gets the, she gets on the offense. Spider gets on the offense. You get your back and forth. And then you get this unique ending where the spider puts in a small package on Wendy Richter. One, two, three. It's over. The bell rings. Even though at about one and a half, Richter kicks out of the small package, but the referee still counts one, two, three. And it's over. We've got a new champion. Gorilla's confused. Jesse's confused. The fans are confused. And the one who's probably the most confused about this is Wendy Richter. She kicked out. She clearly kicked out at one and a half, and yet the referee counts three. So Richter is very upset. 
She goes after the spider. She goes after the mask. She pulls it off and reveals that the spider is, in fact, the fabulous Moolah. So she goes after Moolah. She even slams Moolah. She does her own cover, her own count, whips Moolah with the belt a few times. And the referee, you know, is trying to handle the situation as best as he can. And then, and then poor Howard Finkel. He does the, you know, he has to do his job. So he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this contest and new World Wrestling Federation Women's Champion, the Spider, the Fabulous Moolah. I, I love that part. So Richter chases Moolah out of the ring. And Mula doesn't even leave with the belt. So, here is the legend of what of what allegedly happened. Wendy Richter was in contract negotiations with Vince McMahon. Vince was offering Wendy a new contract. She wanted Wendy to stay with the WWF, and Wendy said, "No, I I, I don't want a new contract. I just you know want to leave." So Vince. I guess, told the referee and told Moolah, we got to get the belt off of Wendy. So they make Moolah dress as the spider, who had been a character on TV for a little while. And then you have the match, and then the ref does the quick three count, and Moolah wins the belt back. And basically, what you get is the original... WWF screw job a full 12 years before Montreal happens with Brett and Sean Wendy Richter is screwed out of the WWF women's title and the legend is this was Vince's plan I can't say if it's true or not but that's that's what I've always heard is that Vince was the one who came up with this plan. And that's the last match Wendy Richter ever has in the WWF. And it's so bizarre that 25 years after that match happens and that incident happens, Wendy Richter gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's so bizarre, but... I guess time heals all wounds. But, I mean, and you could even go a little further. You could go to the Dark Side of, dark side of the Ring episode with the Fabulous Moolah and Wendy Richter being on there, and she talks about this match um, and how she felt that when this happened, it set women's wrestling backwards instead of forwards. And Wendy Richter, for the most part, is right on that because when Wendy had won the title and then even when Leilani Kai won the title you saw how important you know the women's division in the WWF really was it's just when this one thing happened this one incident happened Women's wrestling took a terrible fall, and it took a long, long time, I believe, until the women's division meant something. 
and it, it definitely took at least the rest of the decade. It definitely went well into the 90s before women's wrestling mattered again in the WWF. I can't exactly pinpoint when, you know, it mattered, but this is this is a marking point. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this whole week is very big because three days later, and, and I know this isn't WWF related, but I just want to mention it. Three days later, Starcade 85, the gathering, happens. So, in one week, in one week, you get Fabulous Moolah winning back the women's title with Wendy Richter basically being screwed out of it. And then you had Starcade 85 with Magnum and Tully and the I Quit match and. So many other things happening on that show. But anyway, back to the videotape. So, this next match is one of the last times that we actually see Jesse the Body Ventura compete inside the ring. Because on this occasion, he is challenging Tito Santana for the Intercontinental title. Now, the commentators for this match, and I only have to... I only want to mention it because you normally Jesse at this time would be on commentary for this, but it is Gorilla Monsoon and Billy Red Lions that are the commentators. And before the match, Tito Santana gives Jesse Ventura a rose. Okay. Not really sure what that was all about. I, I guess a fan gave Tito a flower, and Tito was like, I'm going to give Jesse a flower. Maybe he won't call me Chico anymore. A couple of things to point out in this match is the f- there, are, there is a group of fans that are rooting for Jesse Ventura in this one. Like, they want Jesse to win this match. So... Tito's got the early advantage. You see him get a side headlock onto Jesse Ventura, but Ventura manages to get out. And Ventura does get the advantage for a little while, and he even locks in a bear hug onto Tito Santana. And Santana manages to valiantly get out of the bear hug. And then we get to the end of the match, where Santana locks in the figure four on Ventura. However... Jesse is so long, so big, that he's able to make it to the ropes. So Santana has to let go of the has to let go of the figure four. Jesse rolls out to the ring. Santana goes after him. They're on the rampway of the Maple Leaf Gardens. And Santana tries to put the figure four on Ventura. While this is going on, the referee is counting both men out. Ventura punches Santana, which gets Santana into the ring, and the referee calls for the bell. Now, when you watch this, you thinking, okay, Santana beat the count. But it is announced that both men were actually counted out. So my thinking is when Santana started to go into the ring the ref had reached 10 and Santana was like just a half second too late getting in so after the match 
Santana wants more Ventura. So Ventura is like, okay, I'll do it, but I'm getting this referee out of here. So Ventura gets into the ring. They fight. Santana uses the belt, hits Ventura with the belt a few times in the stomach, and they chase him, or he chases him to the back, and the crowd is excited, and then we get the replay of what we just saw. Now, for the finale of this tape, it is an eight-man tag team match scheduled for the best three out of five falls. On one side, you have Afa and Sika, the Wild Samoans, along with Samula, or Samu, and Big John Stud. On the opposing side, you have Chief J. Strongbow, Ivan Putski, Rocky Johnson, and the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Now, we join this match in progress, and your commentators for the match are... Dick Graham and Gorilla Monsoon. And the first thing we hear during this match is next month's show at the Spectrum where Rocky Johnson and SD Jones are going to get a tag team championship match against Alpha and Sika. Wow, you got me already interested in this match. So... This is the first fall. It is a back-and-forth match. We basically get everybody into the ring except for one individual, and I'll keep that one individual's name secret for a little bit. And everybody gets in the ring, and the referee calls for the bell. And we don't know what's happened. We just know that the referee's lost complete control. So he goes to the ring announcer, ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, and the ref and Capetta tells us that the team of Big John Stud and the Simones were disqualified. Therefore, the winners of the first fall, Andre, Strongbow, Putsky, and Johnson. Why was the other team disqualified? Don't know. I wish I could tell you, but I just don't know. We don't get a replay. They don't tell us why they were disqualified. It's just, they were disqualified. So, in between the first and the second fall, Big John Stud starts choking on Jay Strongbow. And this gives him and the Samoans an advantage. And this is a very short fall. It's like a 40-second fall where Samula takes a pinfall and Stud and the Samoans win the second fall. So we are even at one fall apiece. Remember, this is a best of five match. Oh yeah, by the way, during this, um, we were also told that on the next Spectrum show, which is in August, Magnificent Morocco is going to face Jimmy Snuka and Big John Studd's going to face Chief J. Strongbow. Wow, you're making me feel real good about watching this match. So now we go to the third fall of the match. Samula and Strongbow are in the ring. This is another quickie. This is the shortest fall. It's under 30 seconds. Strongbow goes into the ropes, reverses it. Samula runs into the big foot of Andre the Giant, who's on the apron. Strongbow covers one, two, three. Andre's team wins the third fall. They're up two falls to one. So, it is at this point... We are told 
Ivan Putsky has yet to legally be involved in this match. That's right. We have gone three falls, and Ivan Putsky has yet to be tagged into the match. Now we go to the fourth fall. And, oh my God, Ivan Putsky gets tagged into the ring. Oh, for the love of God, he is tagged in. He's the legal man. And Graham and Gorilla notice that John Studd's not on the apron. Maybe he doesn't want any part of this match. Maybe he's done with it. Who knows? So, eventually, Andre gets into the ring. Everyone gets involved. And then we go to the end. I loved this ending. It is so good. So, Andre and Samula are in the corner. Andre sends Samula into the opposite corner. Samula jumps up to the second rope. He's going to go for a cross body block. Andre raises his foot and just kicks the crap out of Samula in midair. It looked like it hurt. And then Andre hit the big splash. One, two, three. Andre's team wins the fall and the entire match. Three falls to one. Pandemonium ensued on this one. And then we go to the credits. And then we go to, well, previews for the next three Coliseum videos. We start off with the best of the WWF Volume 6, which includes Jesse the Body Ventura answering questions from the fans. And Macho Man Randy Savage challenging Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. Then we have an entire video cassette devoted to one outstanding individual. This individual, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. See Ricky Steamboat, learn his martial arts, and then his entire feud with a magnificent Morocco. And then finally, an entire video tape devoted to grudge matches. It includes Hulk Hogan against the magnificent Morocco, Tito Santana against Greg Valentine, in a steel cage. And from the archives, two matches with Bruno San Martino, one with Ivan Koloff, and another with superstar Billy Graham, with Gorilla Monsoon as the guest referee. That's again the best of the w- of the WWF Volume 6, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Grudge Match. Get your copies now. And the WWF would like your comments, so write to the producer, Coliseum Video, 430 West 54th Street, New York, New York, 10019. And that is the end of the best of the WWF Volume 5. So what's my takeaway from this tape? Honestly, it's... Eh? It's like... It's like, it's such a weird... And a, a weird assortment on this. Because you have... You have a, a couple of good matches. The Killer Bees and the Heart Foundation is a good match. Um, the Bulldogs and Valentine and Beefcake is good if you like short tag matches. You also have a history-making event with the original Screwjob. You have a 3 out of 5 falls 8-man tag. And, and you have a decent opening match... The thing with this tape is just, 
I, I never really got into this. With the exception of Fuji General, which I said could be the highlight of this videotape. Other than that, this tape is eh. I'm not saying it's the worst. I think it's better than Volume 2. I definitely will say that. I think right now, of the first five, Volume 2 is the worst of the first five. I'd put this one just over it because you have, you, you know, like I said, with the exception of Fuji General in the original Screwjob, there's really nothing else to this tape. And it's a shame, especially when you got Steamboat and Morocco starting the tape and it gets cut for time restraints. So you don't really get to see the whole match. You get out of the first four matches, three of them end in a disqualification, which does hurt when you have, you know, when you're doing a compilation, a best of tape, and you're trying to show why the WWF is the best. Three matches that end in a DQ is not really a good way to start it. That's just my opinion. But, like I said, it's not the worst tape of the first five, but it's definitely not showcasing, I feel, the best of the WWF. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Coliseum Corner. The next time you get to hear this show... We go into Series 6 of the Coliseum videos, and guess what? One of the tapes that was mentioned is going to actually be the next videotape. Because it is WWF Grudge Matches. That is the next tape right here on Coliseum Corner. And if you have friends who are like you and like me, who or into the Coliseum video days of the World Wrestling Federation, tell them about this podcast. Tell them about Coliseum Corner. We're going to be doing a lot more of these in the very near future. They're not going to be as spaced out as they, they have been in the past. So tell your friends to pick up their copy of Coliseum Corner. I'm Billy Ancovey. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I'll talk to you all next time.